Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink. Hey, Shyla. How's it going? I'm, I'm doing great on brand over here. Yeah. What, what you got uh, in your cup uh, there? Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing some Diet Coke, Coke and whipped vodka. I'm a yeah. fan of the whipped vodka. Yeah. Never had anything mixed with that that I didn't like. I mean, it's always good. I know. Always good. I know. It's I'm, true. I'm on brand over here, too. And while it is not a coffee, I do have a, a warm Starbucks in my hand. It's not even one that's been day old in my car. It's fresh <laughs> and new <laughs> from about 20 minutes ago. Um, I'm drinking a London Fog tonight, though. So hmm. a, little, a little tea yeah. in the evening. Mm-hmm. Funny story, a couple of years ago, well, many years ago, this was like pre-children, so like probably, oh my God, like a decade ago, oh. I was at the state store in Pine Grove where we lived, and I heard this woman like kind of quietly ask if there was any whipped vodka in the back, and mm-hmm. I was like, what is this thing? So I went and was like, do you have any more? And I got it, and it was life-changing, so yeah, it's I so mean, good, right? vodka, Pinnacle, and Diet Coke, vodka, and, and Diet Coke, mm-hmm. which I love. No, yeah. it's good. I would. Yeah. I should have totally. I should have swung by your place and brought some back to my place. Yeah, but, you know. I mean, you know, always on 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 tap here at the Ulrich Bar. I was it's gonna say, good. I've had many yeah. a good time at the Ulrich Bar. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the traveling bar. The traveling bar. Yes. Shout out to uh, wait. What does she call it? She calls it the mobile Katie bar. Call? Katie calls the, it the mobile, mobile bar. bar. <laughs> Shout out to Katie. Yes. Katie, our friend uh, who brings the mobile bar. She's mm-hmm. amazing. She does. Uh, yeah. So today on our show we have uh, Laura Whitman D, who mm-hmm. is uh, someone who I got to know um, when I moved to the Palmyra area through a couple of different ways. She actually interned for a summer at the Karen Cupboard, which was probably the longest stint of like kind of getting to know her. Um, but she's such a fascinating person. And I thought that we could talk a little bit about, Jasmine, mm-hmm. um, your take on fashion in theater. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, totally. We can talk about that because fashion and theater is huge. And as much as um, and you'll hear me talk about this with Laura a little bit, I struggle with my own definitive. I never struggle in what the fashion direction of a show is because it is such the backbone of where the show's going, how the actors will feel comfortable, when they will feel comfortable. Um, so and I know some of this process you're familiar with, Shyla, but we, we really started out. It starts long before anybody's even cast in the show. And we really, um, I start with a slide deck of like inspiration looks and ideas for different characters so that we can have like, we have a palette that all of those outfits will be in. We have a clear direction of what they'll be because so much fashion absolutely sets the tone for everything that's going to happen. Like before I can talk to your husband, Derek, about set and, you know, structure, we've got to think about like, is it art deco so that it has contrast or so that it goes along with it? So fashion is really in a lot of ways, um, one of the first places we start, Uh, we just finished 20th century which takes place in the 1930s, big Hollywood glam, which was so incredibly fun to costume. Um, But with all those deep, rich colors of the 30s, like the emeralds Mm -hmm. and the sapphires and stuff. The jewel tones. The jewel tones and stuff. You know, until you really identify that, then we were able to say, okay, what does this train look like that's the backbone of this, like that's behind it? And, And as you saw, it was white and gold, like very crisp and clean so that you could see all those jewel tones in front of it, you know? And, um, and the moment that the, that the actor put on you know sometimes they start really early on by by putting pieces on or, or or something like that but when they really get that whole costume on it changes everything we're getting ready to do um catch me if you can 
1960s, you know, vibe yeah. going on there. And Which so I love, I love, I love, know love, you love. do. I'm I know. so excited. Yeah, You're gonna I mean, be all I'm a in. Di- DiCaprio fan. Mm-hmm. I we watched that movie like a thousand times. So, yes. uh, but the the music and yeah, this the, oh. the score for that is so fun. So, we yeah, have to we fun. have to figure out how how all of this will happen in the end. You know, we have no concerns about rehearsing because we do it in such small groups to begin with. But you know, we'll see we'll see what comes down the line for the performance piece in that. But everybody's so excited. I mean, Derek said to me like you know when I saw him a week ago we were taking one down and he's like we'll be talking about the next one soon and I think we're all just really happy to have a project right you know to, to be yeah, working on but but the fashion on. I mean can you imagine that 1960s vibe um and, and it has a whole you know it has that whole jet set um airline stewardess piece to it those incredible fashion pieces so you know that was a big thing for Pan Am did you ever did you ever see any of that uh information about that about the Pan Am stewardesses they were talk about fashion and their look like it was a whole thing like exactly not just oh, uniforms yeah. but like that whole deal um you know so cool so super cool so how about you does, does fashion i mean i know fashion might not have an everyday piece in, with the caring cupboard but you you really think about your different roles with a caring cupboard and how you present yourself and how fashion leads into that right yeah absolutely i Excuse me, I'm a little bit of a weirdo about how I present myself. Um, that's just something that I think, you know, when you don't say anything, the way that you mm-hmm. look says something, right? And so yeah. I really think about that. And uh, when we were doing distribution, you know, outside and it was nine bajillion degrees this summer, uh, one of the <laughs> weeks I wore just like a t-shirt and a pair of like, you know, athletic shorts. And it was interesting because a couple of weeks later I wore like a Nike polo that has um, the Karen Cupboard mm-hmm. embroidered on it and like a nice pair of shorts. And the people... Like some of the volunteers were like, oh, I really like how you look and like it's almost like a uniform and like how like they mm-hmm. saw me in a very different way. Right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I really thought about like normally I wouldn't have worn those things. Like I wouldn't have worn athletic mm-hmm. shorts out to like do my job. But it, it as was I said, hot. It was so and, blistering hot. And you were doing and distribution outside in a very different way. And I was lugging crap yes, around. Right. I was getting filthy and, you know, that kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting, like how, yeah, how I was perceived and mm-hmm. like, you know, no one said overtly like, oh, you looked like a train wreck two weeks ago. But there was definitely a, like an mm-hmm. influence that I had when I put myself together a little bit more. And so, yeah, it just kind of was a reinforcement and like, no, you know, I, I totally I, hear I try you. To, yeah. As much as on the one hand, we want to say, you know, don't judge a book by its cover and be careful, you know, and to be very, I'm always very painfully aware because I work with so many students who come from such varied socioeconomic backgrounds, both at high school and Mm -hmm. the collegiate level and I try to remind myself of like not everyone has certain means and those types of things but it's not so much about that it's about the presentation of it right and regardless of how much we how much we don't want to judge something from that there is a certain tone that comes from it and and so you know a lot of times I'll talk to students that it's not so much about what it is that you're wearing as much as how you're how you're putting it together or sort of the thing you know have you looked at your overall look you know um but I will tell you something interesting you know we do a lot of time working on um, like professional fashion with with the collegiate students especially Um, but you remember that freshman 15 that so many of us gained along the way right you know I I, was more the sophomore but yes we definitely definitely yeah (laughs) yeah they have this thing at at LVC right that we have Thursdays we have chicken tender Thursdays and they're like fried chicken strips and macaroni and cheese and waffle fries and that's been like a tradition forever and eternity in time and it definitely contributed to the freshman or sophomore or junior 15 (laughs) 
<laughs> for many of us. But it's something yeah. that I have to remind myself that sometimes when students are doing spring presentations, you know, what they came to school with does not always fit them well, and they may not necessarily have the means at that moment. And I think it's why sure. we all find it very important to have like professional dress closets on campus, or I know the school district has that now here, and I, I think a lot of places do. Um, and so, you know, because it is interesting how people treat you depending on how you present yourself. And I don't think you're silly for doing that, Shyla, or that, that you're, would you say you're a freak for doing so? I don't think so at all. I think, <laughs> you know, I think you're conscious of that. Um, I had a leadership yeah. class one time with the amazing Lynn Phillips, who, you know, truly helped me have confidence in being a young professional woman. And and she had taught um, at the University of Penn and, and all the different places. And she had said that that she had a student one time who said, I just don't understand why everybody doesn't treat me by re- with respect. I just don't understand why they're always mm. treating me like the kid's sister. And she said, did you ever think maybe it's the fact that you wear a ponytail every day? Like, you know, not that you shouldn't, but you can't right. begrudge one thing or not acknowledge it. I mean, I'm one to wear my hair up. You know, I am. I, I have long hair. It gets very heavy. I've been known to twist it up or wrap it up or do whatever. But I think about what that overall presentation is, right? Sure. If I'm, do, you know, yeah. and so I think that's what you're talking about, too, in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, By the way, I have seen that polo shirt with the logo on it. It's like a grayish green kind of color. Yeah. I like that yeah, very yeah. much. It's, that's yeah. very, it is, that's a very yeah, sexy is. little shirt going on there. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> it is very nice. And yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, and I think the other side of it, like I, I have allergies that are terrible mm-hmm. and I have really bad like dark circles under my eyes and it is a very rare occasion that I show up to work it's usually because my eyes are too weepy to actually like put mm-hmm. on my, my makeup and I hate it because when I do everyone's like you look so tired right. I'm like this is how I always look so like I hate having to defend myself so it's almost easier to just yeah. put myself together to get out the door I hear, try yeah. to explain that like this is like actually how I look but yeah. you get to see the like tailored version of me. I'm, so. I'm right there with you. You know, I'm a, on most days I have a foundation and eyeliner and that kind of stuff on, especially these days with COVID. I feel like with a mask on my face, the le- you know, I'm happy to at least I know do my, my eyes need to be. <laughs> I yeah, I need it's to be doing thing, something right? with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I went a couple years back. I, I went to practice on a Saturday. I was like, oh, it's Saturday. I'm just going to wear like a T-shirt. And I have all of these. You know, I have all these like rehearsal T-shirts that say like funny musical stuff on them, like find your light and ridiculous stuff like that, you know. And yeah. um, but I usually wear them with like jeans or nice pants and some way or something like that but I was like I'm just gonna throw on like some leggings and this t-shirt and I thought I'm not gonna do my makeup today like why am I always like doing my makeup I walk in and literally our friend Kara who was a pit director at the time looked at me and she goes you look like shit like you you okay and I was like I just don't have makeup on but you know she didn't mean anything by it but I, I'm right there with you because it's like we get so used to seeing people in the world and, I, and she was like are you okay do you need to go home like are, are you all right and I was like no I am I just I just was trying to be low-key today and it didn't work out yeah for me. <laughs> it didn't quite work out yeah and it's funny yeah. like Derek is a pretty cheap person like I buy all of his clothes because he's like I don't need any clothes and I'm like but you're wearing holes in your jeans and and they're allowed to wear jeans and not the to cool work holes. as long as yeah. he's wearing mm-hmm. yeah no and as long as he's wearing like a collared shirt he's allowed to wear jeans but yeah he he never begrudges like my hair or makeup budget yeah. he's like you're kind of a brand for yourself mm-hmm. like you have to present yourself in a way that doesn't make you right. look like you're you know janky so it's interesting how it those is. things can it can be uh, a, a good thing mm-hmm. but it also can sometimes be like like you you just wanted to be low-key I just wanted to like, be low-key yeah. but then I was like hey wait a minute you know and 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 it's funny you, when you're putting together a production or something like that and like you you have a production every day that's going on people are dropping off a hundred th- or a thousand pounds of of food in one day and you've got a whole production of what's going to happen that and all of those things you know 
there is something about feeling confident in what you're in, feeling together mm-hmm. in what you're in, so that you can be the leader that needs to be. And and as much as, like I said, we, we begrudge the thought of, of judging a book by its cover, it does help with your internal and the external confidence that's coming from you, you know. Um, it's interesting, after we yeah, had our interview absolutely. with Laura, um, I've actually talked to her a couple times since, believe it or not, Shyla. I don't even know if I got a chance to tell you, because I've been struggling a little bit through COVID with fashion, and you know, we're, we all joke about like Zoom business on the top and you know, pajamas on the bottom, but you know, <laughs> it, there's a little truth going on there, and I just, I haven't bought any clothing in a long time. I told you, you said the other day you had postponed your stitch mm-hmm. fix. I did the same thing. Like yep. there just isn't really a point. I had clothing that fit me in March that are, isn't fitting me quite as well right now that we're headed back into the, you know, this. And so I, I was talking to Laura about that because I said, you know, I, I'm interested in some things and she has an incredible store, which you're going to hear about, a Poshmark store, um, where people can really find some fashion um, at unbelievably mm-hmm. reasonable prices and beautiful things because I'm at the point in life where I want to invest in good things. And so, um, yeah. I just had my first Poshmark uh, business with her. So there you go. Oh, awesome. So I have a package that should be coming. I know, I'm super excited. But I, I'm really Yay. excited for our, our listeners to hear um, her philosophy on how she really helps yeah. people uh, feel a bit more of themselves. Do you feel a bit more yourselves self when you're put together, when you're when you're able to put that makeup on and do your stuff? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I think it really does help me to be a little more confident, you know, and that mm-hmm. I'm not thinking like, oh my gosh, like is someone looking at, you know, the, my booty short. The dark circles in my eyes or like <laughs> I, yeah if yes. I'm in this crappy shirt and a pair of like whatever yeah mm-hmm. it definitely makes a difference and um yeah, yeah. it's definitely something that, that I think about for sure so yeah I'm excited for our listeners to hear Laura um I thought it was a fun interview she's a wonderful person she really so is so, I, I really appreciate yeah. uh, thank you so much for bringing her to the podcast I absolutely adored um talking with her and I think our listeners will love hearing her I'm doing well. Um, I I kind of hit you with this interview, right? You, you didn't, did, you didn't but know I Laura love before. It. Yeah, love it. And you so. best off you you fed into what brings me high dopamine, which is here's your thing, go research. So yes. then I got to go and stalk Laura on her wonderful Instagram yeah. that I can't wait to share with people and and check her out on social media. And so I'm super excited for yes. our listeners to hear today. So we're excited to welcome Laura Whitman D to our uh, podcast, Coffee Beans and Booze, today. So hi, Laura. Will you, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are, where you are, and what's what you going do. on. Yeah. Sure. So I'm Laura Whitman D. I am late 20s now. I'm 28. I live in Pittsburgh with my husband and two dogs. We've been here this time around for a um, little over a year now, um, but we have moved all over the state together. Um, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, and I um, went to Juniata College, and then I did a uh, volunteer year in Illinois for the Church of the Brethren. Mm-hmm. And then I moved back home for a little. I moved to Pittsburgh, and then I moved back home for a little bit. And then I did my grad school year in Widener. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we moved back here to Pittsburgh, and we love it here so much. And so currently, I am. I started job searching, and then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So that I'm went really well. Yeah, right? yeah. Was awesome. Yeah, yes. as a social worker, where you like, mm-hmm. you know, ninety nine point nine percent of your job is working with people. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, so I've just kind of fallen into um, reselling on Poshmark, um, which I did 
worked through grad school mm-hmm. and kind of just continued that and also trying to more intentionally expand my Instagram and being more intentional with the content that I'm creating and putting out there. So, yeah. Yeah. So the content that you put out there is super inspirational on a whole lot of different levels. At least that's how I found it. And I think, and I think, you know, I'm going to learn more here in this, in our next time together here, (laughs) but I think that's really sort of you. I think you're looking to inspire people, inspire people to Mm -hmm. reuse, to reuse, to be beautiful, to be their authentic selves, Mm -hmm. to all of those things. And so um, I'm super excited to talk with you about, about some of those things. So um, Poshmark is a, um, is a re- like reselling uh, forum that you can use, right? It's an online yeah. store where you can post your mm-hmm. items, other people can post theirs, and you can purchase them. Is that something that you've been doing for a really long time? I mean, I think you said you, you did some of that through grad school, but I'm wondering yeah. how that little bit of doing turned into to a full-time piece here that you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, I actually started reselling um, vintage in college because I loved vintage. I found it really cheap. But it wasn't always in my size. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to share this. I want to pass it on. And, you know, I was broke. I wanted to make some money (laughs) doing Mm -hmm. something that I loved. So I started reselling vintage in college and continued that on and off um, when I moved in with my now husband. And so um, then in grad school, I met a couple people who were reselling modern clothes on Poshmark and I had some stuff just like some of my own things Mm -hmm. and I had some stuff that I had intended to give to friends and it just didn't work out for them so I was like oh maybe I'll just throw it up on Poshmark and then I slowly realized that this was making me more money Mm -hmm. and this was more there was a bigger community Mm-hmm. there for mm-hmm. me too which was also wonderful so I right. kept doing it and yeah. I slowly moved away from vintage and have fallen into this so how have you learned what's what what are the trends like how do you keep up with that oh. how do you learn the brands like that feels like a yeah. big undertaking I used to sell yeah. on eBay and I like mm-hmm. stuck to very th- like things that I knew would sell mm-hmm. like based on like mm-hmm. I did a lot of children's clothing and that kind of stuff um but it is there is a little bit of an art to it knowing like mm-hmm. what years are otherwise yeah. you end up with piles of things to exactly put online, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah yes I mean, there's definitely a learning curve, but I think, like, I grew up thrifting. I grew up reading fashion magazines and recreating what I saw from the thrift store for myself. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knew some of, like, the, I would say, like, traditional brands that you, people liked and were into. Um, But there was definitely also a learning curve. I was learning from people that I was meeting in the community I YouTube I learned so much from YouTube just watching videos Um, I still like that's still how I learn a lot about the trends and what's trending is just watching YouTube videos and um, listening to those people who are putting those trends out there so so. fascinating how like other people's content that they produce Mm -hmm. to make money 
helps you to like do the things that you do like it's all this like it feeds Mm -hmm. each other in this interesting like internet economy absolutely it's a totally different world it really is fascinating you know you Mm -hmm. when you were describing what you know what you're doing now and how you're doing this you you you're talking about how you are really being intentional about the content that you're Mm -hmm. putting out there and I love that term because so can you explain sort of that concept of that I mean you're really building a brand of Mm -hmm. what you you want people to receive and quite honestly it's beautiful to look at the content you're putting out there is is really stunning to look at and so can you talk about like what you mean by that for our listeners to kind of get this idea of being intentional about your brand I I think that you know influencer culture is such like a new thing and people who are content creators are it's like still Mm -hmm. relatively new and it's so easy I think to look at someone and the content they're creating and as they kind of are growing and become more popular it easily can become you know it can seem fake it can seem Mm -hmm. like this is just their job now and Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. their passion and I've never wanted it to feel like that for me and for what I'm putting out there and even if that means my following isn't growing as much as I would like I that wasn't what was important to me. So I actually talked with uh, Katie Schreckengast, who I grew mm-hmm. up in church with, and she's a social media, she works in social media. So I talked and to former her. former Miss Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I talked to her about like, what, how can, what can I do to, you know, build this brand of me, which feels like growing up in such a small town feels kind of, intimidating in mm-hmm, a way sure, you're like mm-hmm. oh you want me to put myself out there yeah. um so she told me like come up with your like mission statement and make sure that all your content is surrounding that mm-hmm. That's so funny you should say that too, Laura, because you're the second Mm -hmm. person who we have talked to within the matter of weeks who who said about having a true personal mission statement, you know, Mm -hmm. and Shiloh and I do so much work with organizations, you know, we we really try to lend our talents to help nonprofits, but we have to remind ourselves that like part of the authenticity of the people who run those, who are the leaders of those also need to know their brand, also need to know their mission. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, I'm really appreciating that reminder from our guests because I don't think I really have thought about my own personal yeah. mission so you, and brand in that way. It's easy to lose your own identity yeah. when you're not doing the thing for your, just for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like for you, right. Laura, you're doing it, you're creating it because it's it's you, but we're working on brands. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's so much crossover between the two. Well, there things. is. I mean, yeah. I mean, organizations are the hard. people, are the people, the leaders mm-hmm. who are doing that, you know, and it's interesting because um, being intentional about something could be intentionally vulnerable, intentionally authentic, which is, I think, where you're coming from yeah. versus mm-hmm. like what a corporation, which would do would be intentionally building this other persona of yeah. something, you know, and so that's right. really interesting. So what is that intentional brand? What it, what it, what is your hope of, of having your intentional brand be? Um, so like I never have put this out there mm-hmm. to anyone, but in the back of my mind, whenever I create post something or create something or work with a company, my mindset is make it thrift, make it make it meaningful Mm -hmm. so like my mission is to you know promote that secondhand fashion making it fabulous no matter what your budget is no matter what your size is no matter who you are you can make your life beautiful with what you wear what you surround yourself by by doing it secondhand Mm -hmm. and then making it meaningful is adding that 
you know, you are enough as you are. You are beautiful no matter what your size, that body positivity, um, things like that, really bringing Mm -hmm. that in things that are important to me, um, you know, feminism, things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, um, yeah, education. There, there stuff is like a, that. The, my one of my favorite posts of yours, Laura, is the post that you have on Instagram. That's the um, is it maybe four or five outfits that you're in very in very different sizes, mm-hmm. and yes. I'm sure that that was like a very vulnerable thing to be like, here's yeah. where I'm at. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that. Uh, we all felt good reading mm-hmm. that and being like, okay, yeah. it's not just yeah. me and like my body type that is like, well, I'm we, from this to this. We yeah. get so defined by right. these numbers and, and, you know, as Shyla knows, I, I lost a good bit of weight a few years back and it, I, I thought, oh, it's going to be so easy for me to shop now, right? Because yeah. I was mm-hmm. a much bigger size and, you know, I would go into a store and, and I don't want to pretend that I couldn't ever find beautiful things because I could, you know, and I'm thankful to be in a world right now where larger sizes, I feel like, you know, we've got better stores and better shops and things. Yeah. But I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I've lost this weight and it's going to be so easy to shop and my husband and I went shopping and I came out crying and he's like what's going on and I'm like well the numbers are all over the place and now I really don't know what to get myself like I don't know and I had Mm -hmm. to remind myself that it's so not about a number um, and that we mm-hmm. all feel limited. There's things we're going to feel beautiful in, th- there's things that we're not, and the number, the size can't be what defines that, right? Yeah. It just right. can't be what defines that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that post, like, it was resonating in my head for a while, and the feedback that I got from it was amazing. Yeah. And part of that came from, I like, with my thrifting and my reselling, I do some, like, I wouldn't call it personal shopping, Mm -hmm. but I just do some, like, I pick things up for friends. Sure. And I have some friends who are, you know, they're in very thin bodies Mm -hmm. and they struggle too. Mm -hmm. They struggle with finding things that fit. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, it's reassuring to me that, you know, it's not just me. It's not just me as like a midsize plus size person Mm -hmm. that, is experiencing that it's mm-hmm. all women and it just is a reminder that you know the fashion industry as fun as it is as <laughs> good as it can make you feel that really at the end of the day a lot of it for women especially in the past and it, continuing in the future it's designed to make you feel like crap sometimes right and to try to kind of remind yourself that you know i need to focus on what's making me feel good and not what's making me feel bad or because you can get bogged down by that absolutely well and this so idea easy. too that yeah. that thrifting can be about having meaningful things because i think when yeah when we thought about thrifting a lot of time i mean i i not not that thrift stores haven't always had like a positive thing like oh we're gonna go check out thrift stores but there was also mm-hmm. the idea of like yard sales and picking up things that other people didn't want anymore and this yeah. whole idea mm-hmm. that like you can thrift and be like no I don't need to pick up everything that mm-hmm. I can pick up the things yeah. that are meaningful to me okay. right so yeah. I love that your brand is sort of both of those things that it's not thrift only but also this mission of being meaningful because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you get a yes. good deal if it isn't something that's meaningful to you right then it's just yeah. more stuff right right but I, I also have uh, yeah. friends who won't thrift because because they think it's stores that only people who don't have money should shop at, which is really interesting. But I'm like, but you're feeding back into a mission. Like mm-hmm. those stores mm-hmm. are often feeding back into a mission. So yeah, that's interesting. Like how do people come at that? Have yeah. you noticed that that's a trend or a yeah. thinking? Yeah. Um, I think like thrifting has, there's always this mindset, like I think when I was older uh, or when I was younger that thrifting was for if you were poor like Mm -hmm, you know you thrifted if you couldn't afford something 
And I have a cousin who is one of my favorite thrifting partners, and she's older than me, and she has ex- had experienced that even more. But as I was coming through college, that was definitely was changing, and that mm-hmm. was a mindset that was changing. So I think now it's probably still there in some circles, but I think especially in like the younger generation, that's such mm-hmm. a no. Like everyone does goes to the oh, thrift yeah. store mm-hmm. at least some point. Absolutely. Um, I think now it's becoming more, I've seen like the resellers become more like you are reselling and you're taking away opportunities from people to get good things. And like, you know, I've seen people be more uh, critical of that, Mm -hmm. but I don't think people realize how much stuff is out there. And that has become, there's Mm -hmm. so much like there there is enough for everyone and more. Right. Like yeah. and I think the the pandemic and what you know, people were cleaning stuff out and they couldn't donate and like or mm-hmm. after they after the thrift stores opened again and they opened their donation centers again, there's just there's more stuff than these thrift stores know what to do with. Right. Yeah. And they need so, an outlet for it to get out of their stores too. Yeah. And like you were saying, Shyla, mm-hmm. many of the thrift stores have a, a mission that gives back in some way. Yeah. And so, you know, trying to keep that merchandise moving and mm-hmm. going. Yeah. And there's just there's so much out there in the world already. Like we just have so much stuff. Oh yeah. Well it just yeah. it, it brings mm-hmm. to mind that like, you know, the the sort of the the Marie Kondo sparking mm-hmm. joy. Like I've been mm-hmm. after reading her book and and you know really I, I'm really intentional about the things that I mm-hmm. keep in my closet now so I think about like does it fit me well is there like mm-hmm. I was like willing to just keep things because mm-hmm. I just kept them like right. I felt terrible about like parting with them or whatever but right. yeah there's definitely like a, a do lot, I love it yeah do I not a lot love of my it, stuff right? in my mm-hmm. closet now the things that I love were things that right. I found at Goodwill so mm-hmm. I'm okay yeah. with that yeah yeah and, and, and with that you've really built a style too like you know yeah. I I was saying to Shyla earlier I'm a I'm a little jealous that you have such a very clear style like I feel like you know who you are and I was saying I feel this way about my daughter Rosemary who I feel like the two of you could be like best friends like you're making me miss her even more right now because she's back in New York for a while um, yeah. But like she has such a clear style yeah. and I'm like, I feel wow. like I have like five different like bipolar ideas of what I look like. <laughs> like I have my like oh, office no. chic and then the next day I have my like I'm petite party girl and then the next day I have like, you know, my athleisure. The many like, Barbies I, of Jasmine. The, yes. I know, the many Barbies of Jasmine. Maybe that's why because oh. I played Barbie as a child. Oh, maybe. So I don't much. Know. I don't know. Like I just. How do you feel about that? Like a, a yeah. self-style I, and identity. Yeah. yeah. I honestly feel the same way you do. Like. Like some days, yes, like I I do not, I do Mm -hmm. not feel like, especially as I have gotten like older Mm -hmm. and have kind of gone away from my college liberal arts shell, Mm -hmm. I, my style has changed and some days I'm like, okay, I want to wear a vintage dress Mm -hmm. and some days I want to wear ripped jeans and Doc Martens, like they're so... Oh, you I make me feel better. The, <laughs> yes. Like, I think that's yeah. the best part of mm-hmm. fashion and thrifting is, like, you can do that. You right. can – one of my favorite YouTubers who – her style is very eclectic and very all over the place. And her motto and slogan is always play dress up. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, just wear what makes you feel good. And mm-hmm. some days that's going to be – sweatpants and some days that's gonna be you know a twirly frilly dress and that's okay because they're they're all parts of you 
So the other thing that you talked about was your desire to to talk about feminism and mm-hmm. and women's rights and and all of that good stuff. Um, you, you know, fashion is definitely one way to to experience that, but there are lots of other ways that women experience mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. like they can't be themselves or put themselves out there. Um, and so you had an interesting job. You worked for Planned Parenthood, right? Yes, I did. The first time we lived in Pittsburgh, I that was my, you know, I worked a mostly nine to five job and I loved it. The women that I worked with there were so inspiring. I still talk with a lot of them. They, yeah. So it was just a fun, fun job. And I realized how much I learned there too. Mm -hmm. Um, I bet you learned a lot about women. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. bet you, you know, just women and in, in all different stages and all different places in their life, you know, I think it's really mm-hmm. interesting that like reproductive education is, you know, from the time you're 12 until the time you're 50, 60, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's so consuming of a woman's life is, is the reproductive yes. cycle and that piece. And so I can only imagine how many women in variety of styles and places and ways that, mm-hmm. that you got to spend time um, yeah. meeting them. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see that experience um, being different uh, as a female? Like if if men had to come at reproduction in the same way, (laughs) like what would you say about that? Like, would there be more like, I I don't know, like, you know, I always think about that, like, you know, like more options for birth control or more options for something you're wondering, would it be be different? Yeah. Yeah. What's what's your thought on that? I don't I don't think we'd be fighting over whether it should be allowed. (laughs) Like, I think we wouldn't be, it would just be like, Oh yeah, here, here you go. Like, go Mm -hmm. get it. Like figure out what you like. And like, it would be so much more easy. It should be so much more accessible and it'd be so much more, um, you know, you wouldn't fear that your, your birth control options are being taken away or your health options are being taken away. It's so true. I, uh, you know, at 24, I was married um, and I just had a really hard time with oral contraceptives. Mm -hmm. Every time I was on Mm -hmm. them, I had some funky thing happening. I developed migraines. I was very sick for a very long time until we kind of got it all situated. And I remember going to uh, one of my gynecologists in a practice that I still go to, but he was somebody I I don't see him anymore. Um, Not because I didn't like him, Mm -hmm. but because whatever. But I remember sitting, sitting in his office at 24 and asking him if it would be possible for me to get an IUD. And and, you know, this was 13 years ago. And he said, well, you know, there are a couple things here. Like, you've never had children, so your mm-hmm. cervix is never dilated. Mm-hmm. But also, like, we're worried about, like, you being monogamous. I mean, you are married, but, like, there is that, like, factor. And, like, you know, at 24, like, what are you going to say? Right. Like, yeah. okay, like, you know, you've been in this field for uh-huh. a long time. But, like, later reflecting on that, I met that mm-hmm. with such, like, wow, I can't mm-hmm. believe I let the 24-year-old person be told that. But, like, when you're in those situations, like you, you like what right. do you do right yeah so it's fascinating right. on honestly I had the same same pretty much situation happen when I was 22 I was just in a relationship for the first time and I went to my doctor said I want to get on birth control mm-hmm. and I said and I want to be clear like I'm on my parents insurance but I don't I don't want them to be aware of this mm-hmm. I don't want them to know about this and like I'm doing this for my personal reasons, I'm doing it for this for my health reasons. And so and I said to her, like, I struggle really hard with with swallowing pills. And she's like, Well, the only other options we have for you is like a chewable birth control pill. And I as like twenty one, but this mm-hmm. is before I worked at Planned Parenthood, I was like, Well, I guess I have to like figure out how to do this like 
oral contraceptive because mm-hmm. that's my only option. And now I know that's such There's a so many such different a lie. Options. There's yeah. so many options out there for. Her. Mm-hmm. And then including with that, my doctor said to me, like, you want to make sure that you're doing this for you and that the person you're going to be with is, you know, you want to be with them for a long time. And it just felt like such a morality lecture. Right. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with that for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think it made I got more angry as I, you know, worked in Planned I figured out all these options. Um, so I I. One of the reasons now I love to talk about birth control is because I want people to know what their options are to take to their doctor, not just relying on their doctor to be like, well, these are your options for you because your doctors aren't always – some doctors won't always tell you all of them. And they don't always know where you're coming from and what's best for yeah. you. You know what I mean? And so I feel like yeah. an advocate for yourself of all things, you know. Um, but it mm-hmm. is interesting to me how much we have these conversations about being comfortable with doctors. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting ready to switch mm-hmm. doctors and my husband has a doctor I really like in the area. And I called the office because I wanted to switch to her. And the office said, um, she's not taking patients at this time. Would you take so-and-so? And I said, I don't I don't want you to think of being rude, but like, no. Like, yeah. I'll have to think about this because yeah. I am at the point in my life where I want to have a doctor that yep. isn't just random, but is someone I said, I, I was saying to Mark, like, I just really have some things I want to talk about that isn't like, right. I, I just want to be able to say, I don't have the answer here, but let me tell you about me. Could you ask me questions back? Could we have an actual dialogue? And right. not because mm-hmm. my current, you know, doctor isn't a nice person, but we don't have that relationship and I'm just not willing to jump into another doctor relationship where I'm not going to have that and so it was interesting he was mm-hmm. in talking to this doc- the doctor I'd like to switch to and she was like oh I'll work this out for you I will take her on and I was kind Perfect. of hoping that's what would happen because yeah. I really think we need to be at the point where we can say be an mm-hmm. advocate for ourselves but also know we can have an honest conversation with oh, yeah. if you can have an honest conversation with your doctor and know you're going to get like good information right. back and this whole idea mm-hmm. you know you guys are talking about these stories and I could add into them it makes me feel like we're in the middle of Mad Men yeah like you know there's that <laughs> yeah. there's that there's that so, scene in Mad yeah. Men you know right where Peggy goes and they're like well you don't go sleeping around everybody yeah. you know kind of a thing and this assumption that one that's what I'm gonna do or two that you have any right to morally tell me 110 or 25 people what I should be doing like right. it's really interesting mm-hmm. you know and, and well and oftentimes yeah. I mean as a woman I didn't come at birth control because I it gave me permission mm-hmm. to 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 do those things. It right. was more about my health. Like I had really bad heavy periods mm-hmm. when I was younger, and so that was yeah. kind of where I started and why I started taking it. And so yeah, it's really fascinating. Like the what we decide what's good or bad, and yeah, it is. I well, actually and what's, yeah. and what's yeah. responsible in our lives. You know, yeah. many times people want to have children when it's t- it's the right time to have them, or to not have. Them. You yeah. know, like sometimes that's mm-hmm. the. Oh, you're a young married couple. How many times have Mm -hmm. you been asked, when are you Uh, having children? (laughs) I, it was so quiet when I was in grad school because I think people realized like, oh, she's in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's in school. The second I graduated, the (laughs) second I graduated, it was like, so when are you going to have children? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, and I said, I, I wanted, I honestly went on eBay to look because I wanted to get a dire a diagram of IUDs which is the birth control I'm using now mm-hmm. and I wanted to like show this diagram like this is how this works and like <laughs> to explain to people I'm like if you are gonna t- ask me like this personal question about you know my 
essentially my mm-hmm. sex life. Like you're gonna get a right. I'm gonna pull this out of my wallet. Detail. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get I'd be a like very personal. Since you asked about my back. womb, let me show you what's yeah. happening. Oh, I definitely this told is an what's aunt. Actually, yes. in it. Yes. I definitely told an aunt one time to stay out of my uterus. That ended yeah. that conversation, um, and they didn't ask me. Like nobody asked me for a very long time because we both wanted to get through grad school. We both had things yeah. that we wanted to do, and we were 29. We felt good about that. We were in a good place. But yeah, I know the pressure is there. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's yeah. hard when everyone thinks they have an idea of what you should or shouldn't do and god forbid you say you don't want to have children or you're not sure if you want to have children because that's yeah which is yeah i mean that's tough oh for the love yeah Yeah, it's too much absolutely all the pressures and all the pieces that come into that all the pressures yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so wonderful wait so you um you did you recently have a thing that you did with goodwill you did some content with goodwill sorry we're gonna swing back around to your thrifting okay Yeah. yeah Yeah, I did. That was like my first, I was so excited. That was like my first sponsored post with Instagram. I had a blog in college that I did some like sponsored posts, but it never felt like, like I said, it never felt as intentional. It was just like Mm -hmm. those brands that kind of reach out to everyone and are like, Hey, promote this, promote this. We'll give you free stuff. And that, and, but getting this DM from Goodwill felt like you see me you see what I'm doing mm-hmm. yeah. and I and it was about Halloween which I love like I was Halloween, gonna say we yeah. have to talk about Halloween yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. it is fall and your favorite time of year yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes oh Halloween like it's my favorite time so like them reaching out to me to do this post was it was such an honor and yes so and the goodwill especially out here in Pittsburgh is amazing mm-hmm. like they're just so on it. So well, and I think Goodwill is is such an interesting couple to uh, company to me too because they've existed for so long, and literally, mm-hmm. there's like a Goodwill in every town. Like mm-hmm. we have one in our mm-hmm. tiny little town, you know what I mean? And then Harrisburg has another one, and and it's amazing because they are such a staple and have been for so long. And I think part of that is because their mission is very clear. Yeah, like very clear. You know, you they're very transparent mm-hmm. in that in that mission of, of that they're doing there. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, super cool. It's pretty awesome. So yeah, wow, from going to grad school and to be a master's level social worker which you are but mm-hmm. not practicing but uh, right. doing goodwill and, and social say, working yeah I would say you are social working if I'm being completely honest I think you were doing yeah, a lot of social work um, and about really lifting people up and inspiring them and I think that's so much of what social workers do is they help us figure mm-hmm. out how to live our lives better and so I think you are doing social yeah. work actually yeah you know? I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like no matter with a social work degree, no matter like what path you choose, whether that is social work or something else completely different, you're going to use it. It's not a degree that you can waste really because you're going to use it no matter what. Yeah, yes. definitely. So, definitely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. it has been absolutely incredible to talk with you. As you oh, may yeah. know, we have uh, three questions that we ask all of our list or all of our okay. interviewees, every yes. single one of them. And mm-hmm. so I have the privilege of asking the first one, um, which is what is your favorite coffee beverage? So I'm not actually a coffee drinker. We like you anyway. It's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I I tried in like mm-hmm. grad school and I was like if I can't do this then it's not gonna yeah happen. that's true but I, like I became if a I coffee go... drinker in grad school so yeah, yeah we're, <laughs> that's how that works yes so if I go to like a coffee shop or something like that I usually go for a frozen hot chocolate that's... oh yummy I could go for no. one of those right now too I think I'm just hungry I mean we've got absolutely okay well Shyly well, I represent the next one. yep I represent the booze of this uh, of our mm-hmm. podcast and um, we want to know what is your favorite adult beverage oh um I like 
pretty much wine and cider. I've I like a good cocktail. I but as I'm getting older, I'm like. This is this is not for me anymore. So, <laughs> Older at twenty. Um, yeah, it just went till, yeah. Just, <laughs> I know. I'm like, worse. this is just gonna get worse. <laughs> so, but my favorite right now is Springgate's purple glitter Moscato because it's delicious and it's so fun to just. You are the look second at. person who has oh, told me about this I, purple I glitter Moscato. Like, and it literally looks it's all so purple. It's beautiful. Someone oh, gave beautiful. someone at work awesome. gave a bottle of it uh, to my friend Elisa, and she oh. told me about it. And yeah, uh, yes. Ooh, we should, it we looks should like a some. Harry Potter potion. Ooh, like it's, we're gonna it's have so to get some. They yeah. have mm-hmm. they have a rosé too that's a glitter, but I like the Moscato better. Okay, yeah. excellent. Like it is. Secretly dangerous though. So. Good to oh, okay. good to have the warning. Is it one that catches up with you? Like you don't realize yes. it, and then you stand up. And you're like, yes, okay, absolutely. here we are. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. I love, I love it. it. Mm-hmm. Our last cool. question is actually our favorite question. Favorite question. And Shyla, okay. you go ahead and kick yeah. it off. Yeah. So uh, we want to know, Laura, what is your passion? Oh, I would say you know, like the secondhand passion. Like that is it. Like that's what I want to put out into the world. Is just like you know putting that out there like saying like I can be look my best and feel my best without without spending a million dollars and doing something that's better for the environment yeah absolutely that's that's incredible and you are doing that absolutely so in fact let's um could you tell our listeners I mean we will link it of course but could you tell our listeners your Instagram handle please yeah yes my so my kind of fashion Mm -hmm. Instagram is Lula thrift at Lula thrift and then I also have an Instagram for my Poshmark, which is at per- the Purple Potato Posher. And that's where I do kind of like my Poshmark work and I uh, post hauls and things like that over there. Awesome. Yeah, well, awesome. thank you yeah. so much. I have no yeah. doubt that they'll be they'll be coming over to find you for sure. Yeah. And I know yeah. I love it. I love the inspiration of it. And maybe you'll help me find that style. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. So sure. I have to know one last question before we go. Yeah. Uh, do you drag your husband along? Does he does he enjoy this too? Or is this something yes. that like, is your own thing? OK. OK. I wasn't no. sure. Yeah. Yeah. He thrifted before he even met me, but I definitely have made him more of a thrifter. Actually, today, he was using the new Dyson vacuum we got. Well, new to us Dyson vacuum. I saw this. And and he was singing. He's like, I love thrifting because I can buy expensive (laughs) things for cheap. And so he was just so excited. I can't believe I didn't mention this actually because I love the part where you flip the Dyson over and you showed on Instagram like sort of this little grass gross nasty mess that quite honestly I stopped by Shiloh's last night and she's cleaning out her vacuum I just did the same thing to mine we all have to clean our vacuums out and you're like I think this is why they sold it was because it has like it had like dirt in it that like no one wanted to get out of it or whatever and now you're yeah it wasn't it wasn't sucking up right away and he just kind of he's like yeah he took it out and it was fine so yeah he loves it He's honestly sometimes better at it than me. So. Ooh, challenge, oh, challenge. Wow. Oh, wait, wait, you guys have done challenges. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, we've done, yeah. yeah, where we shop for each other. But uh, we go to, like, the Goodwill outlet, which is, like, these bins of stuff. And that's where you have to, like, dig and pay by the pound. And that's where I do a lot of my Poshmark work to keep my costs low. Mm-hmm. And he's he's so good at finding stuff. Like, he just... He's on it. So, yeah, oh, he's amazing. a keeper for sure. That's oh, awesome. that's so sweet. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Well, it was a true delight to yes, talk with you today. Thank so, you. definitely. Yeah, so, good luck same. with all that you're doing. And thanks for all the great tips and, and inspiration yeah, that you're giving to our listeners. So, yeah. thank you. Yes. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla. And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. 
It's caffeinated jasmine and drunk shallow. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink.